0: Hey there, this is Steve Lee with Veritas Catholic Network. In two days, the church will celebrate the Feast of the Guardian Angels. We just celebrated the Feast of the Archangels. So today on Let Me Be Frank, Bishop Frank will talk about this feast and more about angels and guardian angels in general. Before we get to it, the first ever on-air pledge drive for Veritas Catholic Network begins on Monday, October 5th. This is your Catholic station and your station needs you right now. So please tell your friends, they can find solid Catholic teaching and uplifting conversations on the radio and on their phones at 13.50 a.m. and on the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app. And then, be sure to call in next week to show your support for Veritas. Let's keep your station going strong. All right, here we go, welcome back everybody uh, to Let Me Be Frank. Uh, I'm Steve Lee and it is my great pleasure to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano.
1: Uh, How are you Steve? I hope you're doing okay. Great excellency. This is um
0: as we were just talking about before we came on the air. This is a cool week because we got the feast of the uh, archangels and the feast of the guardian angels and Mm -hmm. several other
1: awesome feast days this week. My patron Francis of Assisi. There you go. The high point of the week. (laughs) 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 Exactly. I hope yeah. you
0: have some extra cake or, or something that day.
1: Oh, no, I'm on a diet. No, no, oh. no, 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 no more. COVID has destroyed a lot, including, oh. yeah, oh gosh, my, my wardrobe, that's all whole story.
0: <laughs> well, maybe we can <laughs> at least send you some extra prayers that day.
1: <laughs> Thank you. All
0: right. So, uh, you know, this week talking about angels, and the first thing that uh, came to my head, Excellency, was a couple weeks ago when we talked about evil. Mm-hmm. You told a chilling story that still gives me goosebumps uh, about an evil presence that grabbed at you as you were entering the seminary in your younger days. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if on the flip side, on the good side of things, if you've, if you've had any personal experiences with angels.
1: Uh, yeah, well, I, I may have told this story once before, but um, if I did, hopefully it's worth repeating. But when I was a seminarian on a pastoral year of service in City Line, which is the border of Brooklyn and Queens, at St. Sylvester's Parish, on all days Halloween, I was um, on my way to Queens College for a recital of a friend of mine. And I left the parish and... Within just a few minutes, in fact, two city, two stops along the way. At the third stop, I was hit by a truck. Um, my little Chevette was destroyed, literally destroyed. and um, was airborne, I am told, by some of the people who were um, eyewitnesses and landed two hundred more than 200 feet up Woodhaven Boulevard from where the accident actually occurred. Now I tell you that story not because I survived on I mean literally, but because I believe that was for me an encounter with my guardian angel. Because that premonition I had, that almost sense that someone was talking to me to put on my seatbelt, which I religiously did not wear, was a divine intervention. That was not human agency at work. So have I ever seen an angel? No. I've seen angelic people who mirror the qualities of the angels. But that is the closest experience I have had in my life where I believe divine intermediary doing what the Lord was asking literally saved me. Wow. Wow. So we have to ask ourselves then, so what are these intermediaries? All right, a few things. First, in my life, angels have always figured prominently because one of my mother's favorite TV shows was Touched by an Angel. (laughs) And if she wasn't watching Little House on the Prairie, she was watching Touched by an Angel. So when I would go to visit mom, either repeats or, or like the uh, on DVD tape, whatever there was, the tapes, the VHS tapes. Remember those VHS, mom yes. used to have those? Okay, she, because she found it deeply touching. And you know, if you recall what the, the movie was about, that there were angels, Della Reese was the head angel, I think, and then there was this lovely I- Irish actress whose name I forget now, who's one of the angels, and they would intervene in people's lives. Yeah. So they recognize God's presence and their love for them. All right. So so I was always keenly aware of them. Um, But what does the church teach about them? Well, the church teaches that they are created spiritual beings that have free will, that is exercised only once. Unlike ourselves that exercise free will constantly, they make a fundamental choice. And those that vote, those that choose God are what we would consider the angels. And those that don't, we consider the demons who stand in opposition to God.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: In fact, their nature is spirit. Their function is angelos, which is to announce. That is what an angel means. The angel announces God's presence God's message, God's love, God's admonition, God's warning, God's presence, whatever it may be. So actually, angels name the spiritual creature when the spiritual creature has a function given to it by God. Otherwise, these spirits are with us and unknown to us. Now, think of the angels in the life of Jesus. Okay, let me quiz you. In the birth of John and Jesus, the Baptist and Jesus, where did the angel show up? Right? Zechariah? Yes, in was the he temple. he visited by an angel? In the temple? Yes. Right? To announce the birth of John, and then he was struck dumb. Yes. Right? Uh, Annunciation, the angel Gabriel announces yeah. the birth of the Lord. Right. And what's the third one,
0: Steve? Um... Are you talking about with Joseph, or are you talking about
1: announcing to the shepherds? Exactly. Number three. Good. A plus. Yay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. And in fact, the Gloria at Mass echoes the first lines of the angels to the shepherds, right? Yes. Which again, to Zechariah and Elizabeth as the precursor of the Lord to Mary, who is the virgin mother of God, and to the shepherds who are the out of the outs. They are the lowest caste in society. God's presence and love goes everywhere, mm-hmm. right? It's amazing. Yes. yes. And in the life of Jesus, huh? Where did the angels appear to minister to the Lord? In the desert. Right. At the end, they mm-hmm. brought him consolation, right? Mm-hmm. Where else? Where else? Oh gosh, I'm going to fail. <laughs> Okay. in Luke, in the agony, yes. in the garden, yes. an angel comes to the Lord. Right, and of course the resurrection. Yes, there are two angels in the tomb, yes. and once again, Angelos announcing, "What are you looking for? He's not here. He's risen." Right, so they f- they factor prominently in salvation history. So, for us one may say, okay, then what do they have to do with me? Well, first and foremost, in Psalm 8, does not David sing that you have made him, us, men and women, a little less than the angels? Mm -hmm. So in our spiritual dimension, we share many of the characteristics of the angels. Because we have free will, as they do. We exercise it over a period of time, they exercise it once. They have knowledge and so do we, right? And they can effect good and so can we. So angels are the intermediaries that bridge the distance that at times we perceive exists between God and us, when in fact that distance really does not exist in the way that we would want to imagine. But the angels concretize it. So they serve God first, all of them. And by doing serving God, they serve us, creation, and that which the Lord asks of them to do. And therefore, among the angels, there are the traditional choirs, Of angels right right? which is very complicated and I would be a liar if I said to you I knew all the choirs of angels I have I have a sheet here that has them listed because okay (laughs) but there are three orders with three choirs each and we don't need to get into the details of to you know the different the the different uh, ranks in each of the orders sure but we do have to recognize that the first order okay Right? The first sphere serve God,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? and they serve the Son incarnate. Right? So the seraphim, cherubim, and thrones. So they don't interact with us, they are at the disposal of God, right? and to serve and worship him. The second sphere are the heavenly governors. Okay, right? so they attend to creation and they ensure that creation remains okay guided spiritually in all its dimensions so those are dominations and virtues and powers or authorities right so when we speak of a miracle occurring in creation many times it is at, at least at times it is because of the of the working of the angels in our midst hmm. right? And then the third sphere, my favorite sphere, are the ones that are here to protect us, to guide us, to inform us, and to allow us to recognize God's presence. Those are the principalities, the archangels, and then the angels, of which some are the guardian angels.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So... It's interesting, we are not spiritual in completion. We are material and spiritual. And yet, don't you think it's interesting that these totally spiritual beings serve us? Yeah, and they're of a higher order than we are. Right, so in the very grammar of reality, there's a lesson to be learned. Jesus says, right, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That if you wish to be greater, serve the least among you. Even in the structure of how things exist, you see that dynamic. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, that is really interesting. Hmm. Hmm? So now what about the archangels? too? Right? They also play an important role. But you were going to ask something, Steve, so I didn't mean to cut you off.
0: No, no, not at all. I I wanted to ask, so you said um, that... uh, the angels make their decision for God or away from God once, right away mm-hmm. when they're created. So mm-hmm. that's what Lucifer did. He mm-hmm. took a third of the angels, we believe, with him. Mm-hmm. Um, was he then? He he was powerful. Was he in that first level of those three most those those, those three highest angels?
1: Mm-hmm again I, I, I would be speculating but my sense would be yes it would because those remember those angels at the beginning were there before before the rest of creation existed. Right. Yeah. Before the material portion of creation existed. So yeah, they were at the service of God. Right. Right. Which is fascinating that even then they rebelled. Yeah. Right? And Excellency, tell us, why, why did Lucifer rebel really at heart? Oh, it's pride. It's the, it's the fundamental sin of, of, every, of everything that exists that refuses to surrender to God, his rightful place. Okay. Pride is a lie, an offense against the truth, and is attempting to rob the glory and honor that is due only to God. So when we are prideful, we think more of ourselves than is actually true about ourselves. And why do we do that? Because we wanna rule the roost, we wanna run the show, we wanna be at the center when God runs the show. Yeah. So even among the angels, there was that tem- tem- temptation, which is fascinating to me. Right? right? Yeah.
0: So now we have the archangels who are uh, battling on our side, mm-hmm. led by mm-hmm. Michael.
1: Yeah. And the, the, the archangels are those who are sent as messengers or actors, agents, on, God, on God's behalf. Um, and scripture says um, that there are at least three named, right? Michael. Gabriel, and Raphael. Um, in, if I'm not mistaken, in the book of Tobit, Raphael actually alludes to the fact that he is one of seven
0: hmm. okay.
1: archangels, which are not necessarily named because they, their function was not to interact with us in salvation history. They may have other functions unknown to us. But each of the three archangels then, their names mean something. So let me test your 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 trivia. This is Catholic trivia. Uh oh. Okay. All right. Michael. Michael. Can be translated many different ways. All right. One of the translations I have here is, Who is like God? So Michael is the great defender of the gates of heaven so he is the warrior right and he's always depicted with a sword in his hand yes and oftentimes is he not depicted stamping on on the devil
0: yes on the serpent
1: so that comes from the the story and revelation of a great battle between michael and lucifer right and satan yes right? and therefore they're, they're expelled out of of heaven and where do they land Uh, where we happen to be (laughs) in (laughs) creation yeah yeah in creation now so now so so this also then is emblematic of the nature of evil the nature of sin that ultimately it's self-destructive because the fallen angels and lucifer know they are defeated know that when all creation is healed, there will be no place for them. Hmm. So they are not building a kingdom. They are there to destroy as much as possible. They cannot create their own. They wanna prevent what is to go into the only kingdom that will last for all eternity. Right. So they are literally, excuse the expression, hell-bent on sending people to hell. Yeah. Right. Or to see their ultimate destruction. So how do they do that? Entice people to sin. So what is sin? Self-destruction. Is that a question of God punishing us for our sins? Because quite frankly, we do a great job of punishing ourselves from the things we inherit from our own sinfulness. Right. It breaks the Father's heart that we're doing this because yeah. he wants a destiny different for us. So anyway, so Michael's going to it. now, Gabriel is the great announcer, right? Yes. So he's literally, it means God's strength. Kind of strange, right? But Gabriel is the one who brings the message and therefore instills in the recipients, Zechariah, Mary, strength. Having heard their yes to guide them forward. And then the last archangel? Raphael. And his name? He has to do God's with Traveler. remedy.
0: God's yeah. remedy. Okay. God's
1: remedy. Because where does he appear? He appears in the book of Tobit. And remember, isn't Raphael the one who cures Tobit, and those little scales fall off his eyes? Yes. So he's the he's the one who brings the medicine, the divine medicine, right? The, the healing. So I think this is just absolutely fascinating stuff. To see how God acts and yeah. how he uses the the things he creates to act to bring good news to bring healing to bring protection and defense so we pray this prayer of St Michael the Archangel right in 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 our diocese after every mass not because it's a pious practice because we're looking for defense yeah right right against evil against sin against temptation it's it's so
0: amazing to think that one day we could possibly be face to face with all of these nine choirs and Michael and Gabriel and Raphael. Um, but
1: let me ask you this. Yes, let me say something really provocative. But when God entered into creation, he didn't become an angel. He took on a human nature. Why? Because man had fallen, So had the angels. That talks to the dignity of a human being, of human life, and that which he took on, which is a human nature. He could not cease being God. So Jesus is not a human person. He is a divine person with the human nature. But nonetheless, God chose to take on a human nature that should cause every single one of us who is a christian to just sit in utter amazement before the presence of god and when you consider that god did freely choose to enter in creation taking a human nature and blessing human life how catastrophic and how Sad is it that we do not value human life? In the womb, when it is conceived, when it is born, as it grows up, when it is itself procreating life as fathers and mothers, and in their, in the elder years to natural death. God thought it was important enough So who are we not to?
2: Yeah.
1: And all of these false choices we live with, it's just maddening to me. Because as a Christian, it's never this or that. It's this and that. And we should be espousing all of it as Christians. Yes. Because he didn't become an angel. He took on a human life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I don't think we think about
0: that enough. I mean, that's, uh, it's.
1: it's, it's truly the definition of the word that we have beaten to death in the English language, awesome, because it's wonder and awe is one of, is the, is the last gift of the Holy Spirit, the seventh gift, right? but it's awesome, full of awe and wonder to consider our place in the created world.
0: Yeah, I, I guess that would extend then not just to the respect for other people's lives, but also for the way we treat other
1: people. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And do you remember when Jesus was before Pontius Pilate, did he not say he could have had his angels come to save him? Yes. Right, so there it is. God, in his human life, could call upon the angels to serve him. So then the question is, can we not do the same and ask the angels to come to our protection and aid? Do we in fact even allude that they are there to be of help to us? Do we miss this wonderful, irreplaceable opportunity to have a guardian, messenger, healer, protector, help us? How many of us in the end actually pray, intercede with, talk to the angels?
0: Yeah, we should especially be doing that with our own guardian angels because they're our partners through this life. Right. So, Excellency, we're going to take a break, and let's Mm -hmm. talk more about Guardian Angels when we come back. (laughs) Absolutely. Catholic radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So... Let people know you're listening to Veritas. Tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everybody, to Let Me Be Frank. Um, we're here, of course, with the excellent Bishop Frank Caggiano. And we're talking about angels. Excellent.
1: Ooh, you're lying again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, everybody who knows you and who is listening to this show, knows that that's correct excellency so no, th- anyway um,
1: you're kind so no you gonna ask me
0: yes so we talked about uh, all the different angels this friday is uh, october 2nd it's the feast of the guardian angels and you know it's funny because when i was younger i always pictured guardian angels almost to be like um clarence in it's a wonderful life oh yeah <laughs> and then and then as i got older i started picturing them as these giant winged Warriors, you know, and both of those are obviously not uh, accurate, but um, maybe could you set us straight a little bit about what guardian angels actually are?
1: Um, They are, the best way I can describe it is that they are our spiritual companions. That when we are created, when we are conceived, the guardian angel is given to us to be our spiritual companion through life. And like any other relationship, there are those who cultivate it and those who ignore it. Mm. But they are always there. And they are there to be of service. <clears throat> now, what could that service be? I'm sure my guardian angel was beaten up that day I got, I got hit by the truck. I have this romantic notion of him standing behind my car, absorbing most of the impact so that my little Chevette that got destroyed was not pulverized completely with me in it. It's romantic, but that he saved my life? Yep, without a doubt. Yeah. But there are other times in our lives, right, where we have a sixth sense or an intuition or a hunch, we'll call it a hunch, but those are not really human, of human agency. They could very much be the guardian angel who accompanies us, who is inspiring us, communicating with us, uh, something we need at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, do 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 they have a form? No, not visible. No, at least I have not that had, had that experience. Right. Um, should you name your guardian angel? Uh, Saint John Paul said he advised not to, because that's the prerogative of God. Right. God named Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel by the function He gave them. We don't have that right. Right. Now, would, would it be a sin to do it? I, 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 I doubt it. I mean, because you're not intending any great harm. But but there's a reverence there to say, this creature is this creature answers to God. And when you name something, you claim it. So the, your guardian angel is not your possession. He's your companion. There's difference. Yeah.
0: Does that make sense? It does. It yeah. does. He's your partner. He's not your pet.
1: Oh, ooh, well said. Yes, well said. Now, let me speculate a little bit. I love speculating. <clears throat> so when St. Peter was freed from the prison, I would like to think that angel was his guardian angel.
2: <clears throat> yeah,
1: that freed Peter from the prison, okay? Because he was there, sent by God to accompany Peter, and at that point, the task was liberate him. Right. For he's there for a greater purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Pope Francis calls guardian angels traveling companions. I call them spiritual companions. He calls them traveling companions. <clears throat> so literally, when you travel, they go with you, and you could ask their help for protection. And of course, I'm the living proof that they do give that, that protection. Yes.
0: Yeah. And uh, and you made an important point, Excellency, that not only is it physical from accidents like your car accident, but also we can ask them for help in the uh, moments of temptation, for example.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or anxiety or worry. Right is it I think it's John the 23rd that tells the story about being filled with anxiety once he was elected the pope carrying literally the weight of the church on his sh- on his shoulders and he dreamt of his guardian angel who basically said to him stop taking yourself so seriously it's not <laughs> your church it's Christ's church and then his anxiety dropped dramatically huh amazing right? Is that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's what the guardian angel is meant to do is to get you through life in one piece and get help get you to heaven. Yeah, That's totally what it is. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Do you know and what about the prayer? The, the guardian angel the prayer? Little, the guardian angel prayer. Yeah. Right? My little great niece learned it.
0: Uh, in pre K 4. Yeah. Our family still says it every time we get in the car together. Do you oh every
1: I see when you travel? All right, so tell us. Recite the prayer for us, please.
0: Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love has uh, commits me here, ever this day be at my side
1: to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Every every one of us should pray that prayer every day. Right? Acknowledge the presence of the guardian angel who is there to be of help to us.
0: C- can I ask you a question, Excellency? So the Guardian you may Angel ask anything you like. The guardian angel is created and assigned to us when uh, we are created. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens then to our guardian angel when we die and we either That's go to heaven or hell? Question.
1: That's an excellent question. Way above my pay grade to answer. <laughs> That's, but my guess is since the human population continues to grow, there's no shortage of work. to be assigned to someone else. But I mean, beyond that, we are really speculating. I really, I would presume he would be at the service of someone else. Okay,
0: okay. And then in terms of talking to our guardian angels and asking them for help, um, there's also this idea that you can send your guardian angel to communicate with other people's guardian angels for example, like me, for my kids' guardian angels. And I know
1: I read stories about Padre Pio doing this. Um, uh, oh, I see what you mean, to be your emissary. and that's an interesting concept. Now, that is fascinating because angels are at the service, are sent ultimately. They are ultimately all in service of God, either directly or indirectly through um, maintaining creation or serving us, right? So, for one of us to ask a guardian angel to be our emissary to another angel is quite a dignity to have, because it's really reserved to God. Hmm. So. And I'm not disputing that we would not be able to do that. I've never really thought of it, to be honest. But now having now thinking about it now, it's it's another sign of the profound dignity of what it means to be human.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I read that um, St. John Vianney, when he arrived in Ars, he greeted the guardian angel of the parish. So I guess the parish itself had its own guardian, and then mm-hmm. each of his parishioners, which was when I read that, I thought that was really uh, mm-hmm. interesting. Right. And so, he greeted
1: them. He didn't say he saw them, but right. he greeted them.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll, you know, I wanna just see if I can take a few minutes shifting a little away from Guardian Angels because there's this fantastical story that um, it, it stretches belief, but I want to believe, and it's mm-hmm. the story of Our Lady's House at Loretto
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So... Tell our listeners what the story is first. Okay. We can talk about it.
0: Sure. So basically the story is that uh, in the late 13th century, Mm -hmm. the the house in Nazareth where Mary grew up was in danger because of um, invading hostile forces, were destroying uh, sites and villages. And so angels... Came and they moved the house first to Croatia, uh, which was a it appeared there and it was a surprise to the local folks, um, and then it was moved again to Loretto, Italy, uh, when it was danger in danger again,
1: and um, and who moved it? Angels, according there to the go. story. There, there you go. So. You were we were chatting before we went on, you know, on air to tape about some of the evidence that's associated with the uniqueness of the House of Loretto. So why don't you share some of that as well?
0: Yeah. So apparently, um, the rocks and the wood that are in the house for its construction are not local to Italy. They are local to Palestine and specifically to Nazareth. And um, they're they're cemented with a cement that was also not local to Italy, Italy, is local to Nazareth, and the measurement of the house perfectly correspond to the measurements of the foundation that was left in Nazareth, which is now
1: uncovered. Um, so the question is: Is this house the house where Our Lady lived? I personally, have no doubt it is Our Lady's house. No doubt at all. The real question where you say it stretches a bit is whether or not angelic agency intervened into create the created world and physically transported the house, first to Croatia and then to Italy. And quite frankly, since it's not an article of faith, we could have differing opinions whether or not one would believe that or not. But the one thing I would suggest for us to consider is it is not a question of whether the angels were involved. The question is the the level to which they were directly involved as agents, because it's a historic fact that the house was threatened. Mm -hmm. So was it direct angelic agency that lifted the house and moved it, or was it the the intermediary effect of the angels inspiring those individuals to move that house to safety for it to be the larger patrimony of of the church so that others can come to touch and see that where our lady grew up to be inspired to follow her holiness so the angels had agency in the decision i have no doubt to what extent did they have direct agency that they actually did the work is open probably to to speculation or to perhaps even differing opinions. But in my mind, there's two things that are indisputable. Number one, it is the House of Our Lady clearly, and number two, that the angels were involved in some way goes without question. What that agency was is not really all that relevant, to, to be honest, in my mind.
0: Yeah. Does, does that make sense? It makes sense, so whether, whether shepherds saw the angels carrying it through the air or whether the angels helped recreate it exactly to the proportions and the, and the, the measurements and yeah.
1: inspire those who moved it to move it in time. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Cause the angels could see and know what we don't see and know. Yes.
0: Yep. Right. Yeah. Right. Makes
1: total
0: exactly. sense. Yeah. Excellency. I also, I don't want to diverge too much from the topic, but, um, it is relevant. And, um, you have uh, some new announcements
1: for the diocese. Yeah, I, I yes, no, it's actually quite relevant. It's I met all of the priests of the diocese, over 150 priests, about 80 in person and about a little less than that uh, online. It was a simultaneous meeting, and we talked about. Well, I raised the question: Where do we go from here? That was the question. And as you could well imagine, the pandemic played a large part in just unpacking what's going on. And the priests are very differing opinions of 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 the this crisis, its origin, its effect, how it was managed,
2: mm-hmm.
1: etc. Mm-hmm. And it's important that they just ventilate, just say what's on their mind. Right. But at the heart of it was a premise that I did say to them, and that provoked not a tremendous amount of discussion, because we're going to have another meeting to really break this open further. But what I said to them was, the pandemic has clarified the fog, or to use another image, taken the band-aid off the wound, and it's made very clear that we now live in a post-Christian country. That the United States is not a Christian country anymore. And therefore, it is a secular society that is becoming ever more hostile to Christian faith, not just indifferent to it, hostile to Christian faith. And therefore, we are in a missionary country. It's funny, we began that way, and now we're back to it. Yeah. And therefore, what I said to the priest is, everything we fundamentally do has to be reexamined. Not to do something different, but to do it differently. And I said to them, at the heart of that is the Eucharist. Yes. It is the source and summit of our life, and therefore the Eucharist has to be the centerpiece of everything we do for the next six, seven, eight months. And I said to them, in my mind, there are three things that have to be done. First, we need to walk the path of truth and have a sustained, comprehensive, effective catechesis on the Eucharist. What it is, the mystery it unfolds, the sacrifice of the Mass, our role in it, and why it's central to our faith. My guess is that a majority of Christians and a majority of Catholics, when we were growing up, did not have a full, robust robust catechesis of the Eucharist. Yeah. So many people are walking away from that which they do not understand and have never had the opportunity to learn. So that's step one. Step two is we're gonna walk the path of beauty and we have to offer to our people in ever more effective ways truly reverent beautiful celebrations of the mass and develop a affective from the heart spirituality of the eucharist that would naturally lend itself to adoration of the blessed sacrament would lend itself to frequent use of the Sacrament of Penance and Reconciliation to go to Confession. That would also open a person up to the beautiful rich patrimony we have in sacred art and music that rises and falls solely on enhancing the prayer that is the Eucharist. so that we're not just developing the mind to ascent, but we want to develop the heart to ascent. And then I said the third path we're going to walk is the path of goodness. And the path of goodness is all about virtuous life and finding the inner strength to pursue the natural virtues and the cardinal virtues and ultimately the theological virtues, faith, hope and love in our lives, so that we do good for the right reason Right, we do it to serve the Lord, to worship the Lord and to love our neighbor, which is the divine mandate, so those three paths all circle around the Eucharist, because this is the truth when we reopen, now we are able to open at much larger capacity thank God Mm -hmm. some people are not coming back so step one is, those who are here, let's fortify ourselves. Yes. Step two is, go personally invite everyone to come back. Step three is to go out to all those people who have stopped coming years ago, whose chances are are wounded for a variety of reasons, and invite them back. And you're only going to invite them back is if you engage them both in truth, beauty, and goodness.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. the goal. Amazing. Because there was that distressing Pew Research poll that showed that, so many Catholics did not believe that the Eucharist is the body and blood of Christ just because they didn't understand.
1: Well, not only that, but we spoke about this, I think. The, the, The majority of Catholics who did not believe in the real presence, a significant portion of those believe what they believe. It's a sign. It's a symbol. Because they think the church teaches that. Right. Yep. That goes back to truth. Yeah, The the connection between the Last Supper, Calvary, sacrifice of the Mass, and the Celestial Banquet of Heaven is a direct line. And we're on the journey from receiving the graces that were prefigured in the Last Supper, that came in the death and resurrection of Jesus, that comes to us, Every time there's the holy sacrifice of the mass, because the sacrifice is the sacrifice of Jesus, right? There's one sacrifice, it's not a million, one. Right. We in an unbloody way are represented to that moment of grace to receive it through his body, blood, and so, so that we can get to heaven. I mean, that's the basic goal here. Yes. I keep repeating myself, it's to get to heaven.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that's the key, the celestial banquet the banquet of the king right the bridegroom all the beautiful images jesus used
2: yep.
0: yeah yeah mm-hmm. we're not re-sacrificing him but we are representing presenting it we
1: are we are in an unbloody way entering into the one sacrifice of calvary so we are at the altar at calvary and at the empty tomb
0: yeah so to those who who don't believe it because they think the church doesn't teach it. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's just a symbol,
1: why not Why not walk away? Right? Well, far- <clears throat> right, right. Well, <clears throat> because um, among many things we can talk about is the disparagement or the lack of understanding of history and the importance of history and historic events. So when people go to Mass, they often forget that they are really entering into a moment outside of time. And in the old basilicas and cathedrals, they were designed in part to raise your spirit upwards so it could soar upwards, so that the ordinary was left outside. Because it, that is the eternal moment of Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension, and second judgment. We're entering into the middle of that unfolding, that dramatic divine drama unfolding of which we are just a small little part. It's almost as if Jesus, as the divine protagonist, is saying, here, come. I want, I want to give you a share of this. So we sit there, should sit there, in tremendous gratitude, Eucharistia is to give thanks, in tremendous wonder, right? In ultimate humility, since who am I? That you would do this for me. And then being recharged to go out into the world.
0: Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Hence the second step of your, of your plan to re-beautify Mass. And then that leads to the third part, which is to walk the path of goodness. Oh, wow. yeah.
1: right. right, and the path of goodness is in mission. So you live a virtuous life so that grace can build on that virtue and give you the theological virtues, Right, cultivate them of faith, hope, and love. And then the good that you do is not just humanitarian, it points always and everywhere and completely to Jesus.
0: And I'll tell you, mm-hmm. Excellency, one, one uh, positive uh, data point that I saw. EWTN did a poll uh, in conjunction with Real Clear um, Politics mm-hmm. and uh, they found that um, there was a, a large percentage of Catholics who said as soon as mass opens up again, We're going to be there and we're going to go during the week, which we didn't do before. So that's a a potentially a good sign. The desert has a function. Yeah. Yes. Excellency, let's Mm -hmm. let's take one more break and then uh, we'll come back for listener questions. Veritas Catholic Network is having our first ever pledge drive during the week of October 5th through 9th. And you can join the Veritas family. This is a big moment for us and for you because this is your station. As Mother Angelica used to say, this station is brought to you by you. So please, help us make this first pledge drive a huge success. Spread the word and let's get as many people as we can listening to Veritas. And keep your station going strong by supporting us during next month's pledge drive welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. Excellency, um, what a great conversation as always. We got a, uh, an interesting question here that was emailed in. And mm-hmm. so uh, I'll read it to you here. It says, Bishop Frank, when God doesn't answer my prayers, how do I know he's still listening?
1: Well, one of the, well, that's a great question. I think everybody's asked that question and it, it could be answered in a number of ways. Um, perhaps God has listened and the answer is no.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, That the Lord knows that which we need is indisputable. So we do not pray to tell God what he doesn't know. Right. Since God knows everything. And he knows us better than we know ourselves. So God is always listening. For there's nothing we could tell him he does not already know. Second thing is, because God knows us better than we know ourselves, he is also listening to us, not just our prayers. It may sound a bit odd to put it that way, but our heart speaks, our spirit speaks, and our words speak. Sometimes they don't match. Hmm. So God doesn't just listen to our words, he listens to us. So when he answers our prayers, that which God wants to give us, he, he God, helps prepare our hearts to receive it. So sometimes a yes is because we're ready to receive what's ultimately good for us. Sometimes what appears to be a no is that he's preparing our heart to receive what we need, not what we want. Right. So it's a hard lesson. Like I've shared, I mean, I prayed for my mother to be cured from her lung cancer. My gosh, if I prayed that prayer once, I prayed it 10,000 times. And to say that I was upset when my mother died, um, and like Job, kind of like, wrestled with God? Yeah, I certainly did. But now, almost 10 years later, I've come to recognize that God did listen to my prayers. Hmm. Because um, my mother was spared so much suffering and please God now is with the Lord. So what was there to gain to stay? Yeah. So... You know, it's, it's a heartfelt question. And my, my practical counsel is just simply to say, wait, wait. Because it's never a question of whether God is listening. But perhaps we, you, I, in that situation, are not ready yet to hear the answer. Yeah, that's it interesting.
0: It's an interesting. Uh, it's almost like with my sixth grade daughter, She's been asking me for a cell phone, mm-hmm. and I don't think she's ready yet, mm-hmm. but she will get one mm-hmm. when she's mm-hmm. ready,
1: and I know she wants right. it. And the no up front, is, I'm sure, is not received too kindly. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so, right. so listen, if, if you're listening to the show and you have a question for Bishop Frank, Send it on into us. You can send it uh, on the Veritas app, on social media, or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. You can find Bishop Frank Caggiano on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find Veritas Catholic Network there too. Excellency, would you please give us your blessing?
1: May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he shine his face upon you and be merciful to you may the Lord in his great kindness grant you all his peace and may he bless you in the name of the Father of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Steve, I'll see you in a few days. Thank you, you. Excellency. Okay. Thank you. God bless. God bless.